hello everybody and welcome to another MICE conversation. Today we are joined by Ranvik Snorodotir, who is the Managing Director of Obeo Travel DMC in Iceland, or Iceland and Namibia, but we'll explain in a moment. Ranvik, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Uh, I'm intrigued, maybe you might explain to our, our viewers the Iceland and Namibia connection. My understanding is you were born in Iceland but raised in Namibia, is that correct? That's absolutely correct. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, it's as simple as that. So I've always said that as a DMC, you have to have the proper passion and knowledge. You need to know the country better than anyone else. So that's simply the fact with myself. Uh, when I established OBO Travel, then being Icelandic, my passion is obviously here uh, and raised in Namibia. I always say I left my heart uh, down in Namibia. So we have an office there as well. And you've been up and running since 2016, but the, the, the travel industry is in your blood. You've been doing this for a long time. Can you just fill us in on what you were doing before that? Yeah, that's true. So I think I've been in the industry now 13 years, approximately, starting, you know, as a little girl here in Iceland in a small little travel agency, family run um, in Iceland. Went out into the big world where I moved to London and uh, worked with one of the largest DMCs out there called Tumlare worked with them for uh, six years uh, doing Iceland and actually all of Europe as destinations for customers. Um, and then I decided to try the airline world for a little bit. I went to Qatar Airways where I was um, the manager for uh, Norway with Qatar. But then I got this opportunity to establish my own um, back in 2016. Uh, and I jumped at that five years ago now. So OBO um, established OBO DMC. You've a unique perspective in terms of you're the, the most northern region in Europe and then you're in southern Africa. Can you first maybe start with Iceland and give us, I suppose, an update on where Iceland is today in terms of protocols, restrictions, vaccinations, etc., obviously all from a travel perspective? Yeah, so Iceland has done very well um, in terms of handling covid from the start, um, it was very impressive and the world was watching a bit because we did this track and trace immediately. Um, and we are lucky that we are such a tiny population. So it went very well. And I think uh, a bit of key to the success here as well was that we hit the government and we let the scientists and the professionals talk. Um, they spoke to the nation at two o'clock every single day to update with everything. And they tested everyone in Iceland. Um, also those that had no symptoms or anything. That way they could actually find the cases very quickly and isolate them. And with the track and trace, they could isolate everyone immediately who came into contact with those. So it all went very well. And we had a COVID-free summer um, in Iceland last year, pretty much. It was back to normal. But now, much like everywhere else in Europe, it has been hitting us a bit again and again, COVID. Did you have to close your borders to, to keep the numbers down or did you allow travel last summer? This is actually interesting because this is a lot in the media now is this whole closed borders thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think there is an, such a thing as closed borders because we still need goods. We need um, expertise flying in. We need Icelanders to come back home and so on. But as we see it in tourism, we are essentially closed borders as it is and have been since August, where we have now very, very strict protocol. It is two tests which now has been increased actually to three tests plus five-day quarantine. Um, so those these all... regulations are in place until 1st of May. Okay, and those are all PCR tests that you're using? 
Those are PCR, yeah. So you need a PCR before arriving. Uh, and then you test as soon as you land at our airports, you test for free there. Then okay. you quarantine for five days and take another test for free as well. Uh, and then you're free to go. If and those... quarantine means quarantine at home or quarantine on a government <clears throat> facility? This has been changing recently, um, but you quarantine at home. Um, for those who cannot do so, they are provided um, quarantine accommodation free of charge as it has been. But I said, that, like I said, this has been changing a little bit in recent weeks because now they want to really put everyone into quarantine hotels, but they can't do that here. It's actually illegal to do so. Um, okay. Yeah, so that was very interesting because they did launch it for a couple of days uh, until somebody realized, hang on, this is illegal. Uh, they cannot make me go to a closed off quarantine hotel when I have a home to quarantine in. So that's all been a bit interesting. These regulations run out 1st of May. So we are now just waiting for the latest updates. Um, and we have been promised the color code system 1st of May because we in tourism, we, we obviously we keep screaming and shouting that we need some transparency. We need some some kind of roadmap, some kind of help that we can, you know, plan forward because tourism yeah. takes time. Um and we can't just know two or three days in advance what's going to happen. So we're now just holding our breath, waiting to see what happens first of May. Uh, but most likely the color coding system, quite similar to what the UK are doing now. The traffic light system. The traffic light, yeah. So green and red and, and all that. Okay. So, yeah. Can we stick, actually, we'll come to Namibia maybe in a minute and stick with, with Iceland while we're discussing it. What's interesting about uh, the fact you said it was discovered to be illegal, because in Ireland at the moment, we now have the most uh, restrictive um, travel quarantine system. And we're the only country in Europe that restricts other European citizens from traveling in. So we're effectively closed in many ways. Um, and there are multiple challenges in the courts at the moment over the hotel quarantine system. So it's interesting to see that you went through the same process. Can I, can it I is. jump into the tourism side of it, though? Um, it's interesting that um, you know Iceland, you know, was kind of you know, and excuse the pun, the hottest country around for a number of years. It was very trendy, very cool. Another pun, um, and you know, I wonder is that beneficial now? Has has this given Iceland time to maybe pause and have a think about the fact that maybe they were you know suffering from over tourism? Will you come out of this differently? Do you think, or you know, are you rushing to get back to where you were before? This is a very interesting topic, Michael, and absolutely on spot there um, with that question, because during COVID, people have stepped back. We um, the, the mass tourism that happened here um, in recent years, just before COVID, it was a little bit scary um, and we weren't prepared to be just completely blunt about that. And. We believe that um, Icelandic tourism operations, be it hotels, coaches, whatever it is, all went a bit out of control in terms of, you know, over service, actually, to be honest, because salaries are very high in Iceland. So um, I I like that phrase that my friend said when everything was, you know, in the at the peak. She said, we've never been as busy with as little money in pockets. Um, because that's basically what happened. Nobody was ready. So everyone was hiring staff left and right and nobody knew what they were doing. And it was all a bit of a mess. Um, so now actually the tourism here has stepped back, taken a breather. And I hear from all of my friends here in the industry that um, 
let's use the opportunity now and reorganize the company, do things better. What can we do better when we come back into this? Um, it's not, I believe, that we're going to try to tone down the volume as such, um, because, of course, we want to welcome people to Iceland <clears throat> and any type of traveler as well. It's just a question of us being more prepared. Uh, our infrastructure, for example, as well in our beautiful natural sites, we need we need toilets, we need pathways, and and so on. So this has all been uh, a very hot topic in Iceland since COVID, and I see it and hear it every single day that um, the industry here is changing, in terms of they will be better prepared coming out of COVID. And this brings me then to the next question: in Ireland, for example, I know the UK is similar. The industry has been asking for a roadmap and you know multiple reports. And I think we're on to our third industry report now. And the first two reports in Ireland, the government, the government effectively ignored, even though they commissioned them. And we're on our third now released last week. Uh, and earlier today, in fact, I was speaking to Karen Yu, the editor of TTG Asia, and they've had a completely different approach, which is 100% collaborative, as in, the government have led the way in terms of allowing mice to open, in terms of setting the protocols, in terms of testing, trialing, understanding, and they've been doing this consistently. And they, as a result, they haven't had the seesaw, which is open, close, open, close, which a lot of yeah. Europe has had. Yeah. The government engaging with you as an industry, travel, tourism, mice, um, uh, is the industry vocal and, and you know pushing, or how, how is it developing? Well, um, the industry is pushing, uh, for sure, and especially with the transparency. The good thing about Iceland is how reliant we are on tourism. So there is talk between tourism, our official tourism boards and, and the government, and that is also why they have been trying, uh, the government here, they have been trying to kind of make it easier on the border. Um, the problem here, basically, is that the public don't agree. So living on this island, you really hear loud voices uh, with the public here saying, close those borders, close those borders. That's where the virus is coming in and, and so on. So th that's a conflict that the government obviously need to um, need to work through. But sadly, we don't have a clear roadmap, I'm afraid, at the moment. I wish I could tell you otherwise, because, of course, this is what we're begging for. And there are no special conditions as such. You can come here as media or, or you can ask for an exemption from um, from the restrictions, quarantine and so on, but very limited. All we are doing at the moment, to be honest, is waiting, actually. We are optimistic that the summer will prove um, some form of normality, getting back to normal a little bit. And come winter, we all believe very strongly that we'll be good to go. We'll be uh, done with herd immunity, vaccination and all that. But it's a waiting game at the moment. Interesting. Ireland obviously it has great similarities in that we're a country that relies heavily on travel and tourism, not exclusively, but it is a huge part of our GDP. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, we don't. I, we very often actually wish that they would take us a bit more seriously uh, here, to be honest. Um, but it is it is closed. Yeah. And there is uh, nothing that we're actually doing now other than we're actually now though we are seeing a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So I feel that tourism in Iceland has started preparing themselves. Um, so they're actually starting to hire back now um, staff and, and feeling, okay, this we are just about to get started, we feel. So um, things are opening up again, 
hotels and all kinds of services. That's good to hear. Tim, I'm aware that you have satellite offices in Norway, in the UK, in Namibia, and obviously in Ireland as well. What are you hearing from your customers in terms of, you know, are you getting inquiries yet? Are you starting to plan with your customers in terms of the kind of, you know, let's say groups and mice business that you would normally have done? Will that come back in the same way or has it changed? Well, for us, um, mice, we haven't heard, I'm afraid. Uh, We haven't gotten requests to either Iceland nor Namibia with mice. We had a number of mice um, events booked last year. And sadly, only one of them have actually um, rescheduled. Uh, So hoping to come, they've actually rescheduled four times through COVID. Uh, But otherwise, we actually do feel at the moment that companies are holding back. They're just saying we have to wait and see. It is too much money. It is too much of a risk, you know, to really start planning while there is still this uncertainty going on. So for us, it has actually been a bit silent in terms of mice. But I do... But I very strongly do believe that it will pick up um, quite fast once we crawl out of this, because now I think companies uh, increasingly will be looking at safe places. Yeah. Um, and that will be important. And for Iceland and Namibia, if there's ever a, a safe place to go post-COVID, it would be these places where there are no people, <laughs> just nature and space. Yeah, that that was my next question, because I'm certainly seeing that as a trend, which is that, you know, in hotels, for example, you know, villas on property are selling out before rooms, you know, in the main hotel, you know, business class seats are selling out on airlines before economy seats, not business travel, but actually people who just want the, the safety or the space that a business class or front of cabin product offers. And I'm we noticed this, this. Yeah, I'm hearing this in terms of people saying, well, you know, remote travel, remote tourism, or certain yeah. meetings where people are, you know, not in a crowded city or a metropolitan area. Um, yes. But I would have imagined Iceland would be, you know, at the fore there. Uh, absolutely agree. And this we do notice. We actually notice that <laughs> Reykjavik isn't, is, you know, that used to be the only place really people come to during the winter months. So yeah. they stay in the city and then they go out exploring from there as a base. Um, all the requests that we're getting now, be it, you know, the leisure traveler or business traveler, they now look at the countryside um, of Iceland. And even though that basically costs private transfers and so on, that's not a factor at the moment, uh, seems to be. Uh, they prefer to go into some of those smaller countryside hotels where you either have your own private, you know, apartment or villa uh, or a hotel that simply has, you know, few rooms and you're located Absolutely. in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we know there's a huge spike in those, yeah. Um, yeah, so hotel takeovers are becoming more common. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Could we move to Namibia then? Maybe you could t- tell us what's happening in Namibia at the moment and you know where they are in terms of meetings, mice, incentive travel and so on. That's an interesting one because, interestingly enough, Namibia has been wide open throughout this whole thing. Um, and Namibia has very low numbers with COVID, and now they have started uh, vaccination and everything. So um, Namibia is a safe place to go, and it is open, and we actually have more people traveling through OBO travel to Namibia than Iceland, which may seem insane, but it is for the simple reason that you need one negative PCR test, not older than 72 hours, to come into Namibia, and that's it. 
and then you can go. And the lodges are open throughout all of Namibia. All the services are there. So um, to be honest, I jumped over to Namibia in uh, in December because I, I got really COVID tired and I just needed a COVID break. So I went to Namibia and I got exactly that. There was just no COVID there, no restrictions, no problems. Um, so we are getting quite a lot of, of business coming into Namibia as we speak. Which so just is, talk uh, me through the, the practicalities of that. You need a, a PCR test. Um, I did read seven days. Is it seven days or 72 hours? Oh, they actually did change that to seven days. So when I went in, in December, it was 72 hours. But now they're like, yeah, as long as it's not older than seven days. Yeah, that's wow. true. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's no hotel quarantine. So once you prove your, your test, you arrive, you're free to go. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So border control, you go there with your uh, passports and uh, your paper, PCR paper, show that to them. And they say, yeah, enjoy. Off you go. And and you're done. Wonderful. Uh, and that's and, it, and yeah. to me, Namibia obviously is long haul travel coming from where I am yes. in Europe. How, how does that affect it or does it not affect it at all? People are happy to take a seven or an eight hour flight or 12 hour flight, depending where they're coming from. Um, yes, our customers, I mean, we actually do have, there is so much pent up demand that we've even received requests where people just wanted to go away and they really didn't even care where. So they just uh, quickly checked around me. Do you know of anything? I'm like, yeah, Namibia is open. Did you know that? Okay, take me there now. Um, and even happy to quarantine on the way back. The thing about Namibia is that we feel that in Europe, at least, it's not really on the map. So yeah. very often it's like, is it a green country or a red country? Or what is it, you know, coming back? What are the terms? Because um, we're, we're, in my opinion anyway, we're a bit, focused on Europe, within Europe only. Um, and I think that countries like Namibia, for example, are just somewhere lost there in the mix. And, and nobody really knows what the regulations are when you come back home. So while we know that this is what's happening coming into Namibia, which are no problems, um, we have to research a bit more what happens when you come home. But the interesting thing also about Namibia is how, how prepared they are. Um, for example, I have a booking coming now in April. And... <clears throat> These people just want to rest and relax and they have to be out of South Africa for at least two weeks before returning home. So they're using Namibia for this because uh, you're allowed to basically come back freely as long as it wasn't South Africa. So anyway, um, they need to take a test to be able to fly out of Namibia and going home. Yeah. Uh, we have a service that we can actually even get a doctor on site to your lodge to test you. So like we can take care of everything on that side. Um, and this is all included in our services as well is, okay, listen, we've done the calculation. You are going to need a negative PCR to be able to board that plane uh, back home. So we'll take care of that. We'll book that for you. You can either go on site and do the test and we'll take you there. Or, you know, we even have that service that um, we can test you at the lodge before leaving. So I find... I find it amazing how how well prepared they are and uh, and how flexible they've been through through all this. And is Namibia pushing itself, or is it just waiting like everybody else? I mean, as you say, it's it's off the radar for most Europeans. We're not we wouldn't think of it automatically, but it sounds like a destination right now. You know that is open that you could travel to. Um, you know, and there is opportunity there. There is. Great opportunity there. Um, our 
our problem a little bit with Namibia is the tourism board. They're not quite as good as, for example, South Africa. So the exposure um, and awareness for Destination Namibia, we feel, is actually almost in our hands as a DMC. So yeah. it's us who are continuously um, promoting Namibia and, and telling uh, agents about it. Um, but the thing is that there are a lot of events taking place in Namibia. Um, we have, for example, at the moment, yeah. So just the other day, there was a huge um, skydive group who went and based themselves for over a week in Namibia for skydiving. And these were people coming in from globally to meet up there in Namibia safely and do their skydive stuff that they have to do. So events are taking place in Namibia. And the interesting thing as well, especially with our, um, we have quite a number of incentive groups in Namibia. It's typically fly safaris. So the incentive groups get their own aircraft or many aircraft, and we privately fly them between the lodges. And this is increasingly more popular now uh, in Namibia. So there's events lot- are taking place, and there's a lot of local um, tourism actually as well yeah. going on. So you're the first person who I've heard mention incentive travel, because incentive travel, by definition, you would imagine has been shut since March of last year. But what you're saying is that in Namibia, incentive travel is happening. Uh, It is. There are uh, events taking place and and groups meeting up there. Um, Because like I said, it is taking a look at the restrictions and um, which are basically none and all the space that can be offered and and safety and private aircraft and so on. So in terms of... It's not a lot. I'll tell you that, but we just, we see it happening though still, which is, you know, any kind of life these days is fantastic, isn't it? And noticeable. Yeah. And in terms of looking forward, you seem to be more positive towards Namibia than Iceland at the moment. That that seems to be where the opportunity is. Do you see that continuing for the rest of this year? Do you see Iceland not happening again really until next year at this stage? To be very honest, the reason I see this potential with Namibia now is that it is already okay to go there and has been for a long time. Um, So, I mean, that's just the awareness part and just waiting for, you know, Europe, the countries here to get their act together. Um, Iceland, um, I'm going to just say completely honestly, I don't see anything massive happening this summer. Um, it, it's that uncertainty, Michael. It is, you know, that's why I am a little bit maybe reluctant with Iceland at the moment because I don't know enough, you know, to be properly promoting it. But this summer, I um, I think that anything, any kind of tourism we get here will be a complete bonus. Um, but I very firmly believe in the winter season. Uh, so starting October, and we see it, our, our books, our files are absolutely full for the winter it is uh, has gone mad from october onwards for the northern light season so that's where we kind of keep our hopes when it comes to iceland <clears throat> no. yeah interesting makes sense um good insight ranvig thank you for your time and for your insight um and obviously two completely different destinations um and a very global perspective so um yeah We'll add all of your contact details, your websites and other information uh, to the description here on this video. So to everybody watching, you'll be able to contact Ranvik or find out more about what she does. At can I just Travel. add one thing, Michael? Of course you can. That if we open up in May, I would encourage people to consider Iceland because we have an erupting volcano. (laughs) And it's just growing more and more. At the moment, the entire valley is full of lava and new fissures keep opening up. So there you go.
There you go. Uh, There's an attraction. Very lively here. A, a natural attraction that's open. Exactly. <laughs> Randwick, thank you again for your time and your input. And uh, we'll add all of your details, as I say, to the description here. So that's Randwick Snorradottir, Managing Director of Obeo Travel DMC in Iceland. Thank you, Randwick. Thank you, Michael.